Welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 79. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about the parable of the blind man and the elephant. Keep in mind the Dalai Lama's advice. Do not use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. Use it to be a better whatever you already are. So the parable of the blind man and the elephant, this expression of the blind leading the blind, this is what I want to talk about today. So in the original parable, you have six blind men who approach an elephant and they touch it in different places. They begin to describe it based on where they touch it. One uh, describes the tail, another describes the trunk, another the leg, another the ears, and so on. The idea is that all six are certain that their experience of having felt the elephant is the accurate and correct interpretation, while failing to understand that the other descriptions were also correct, and that their own descriptions were also incorrect, uh, since they each only felt one part of the elephant. Now, I heard this parable once uh, in the context of, okay, there are all these blind uh, men describing this thing, but how fortunate if, how fortunate for uh, you know us or the or the person who's not blind to be able to see the whole picture, and I think this is this is something that makes this parable a little bit difficult to fully wrap our heads around because um, most of us who uh, think of this parable are probably not blind, so the idea of being blind is already. Uh, difficult to truly comprehend. So I think it's very uh, easy to make the mistake approaching this parable thinking, okay, I get it. All these blind people trying to describe the elephant, I get why they don't get it. But I, I can picture an elephant. I've been to the zoo or, you know, I've, I've seen them in videos. So I, um, have the whole picture. I know that the elephant isn't just the tail because I can see the ears and I can see the tusks and I can see everything else that makes the elephant the elephant. But the moment we do that, we're, I think we're misinterpreting um, the deep lesson of the elephant. So um, I think the mistake of the parable is thinking that you are not like the blind men. You have the bigger picture, you understand. Um, but what the Buddha was trying to uh, accomplish, in my, in my opinion, with this parable was to truly convey uh, the reality that we are all like the blind men. So let's just tweak this and update this parable a little bit. Uh, a scenario that I think works really well for me. Imagine yourself at any uh, in any part of space, you know, and you're you're in space and you're looking back at the moon if you've probably seen these pictures of or not at the moon at the at earth you've seen pictures from the moon looking at earth or just pictures in, of um, you know from space looking at earth and there's earth from wherever you are in in space looking at earth it's going to look unique to depending on where you are if you're on on one side of the planet versus in space on the other side of the planet right and of course the planet is um, rotating, but at any given moment, wherever you are in space, whatever you're looking at is an incomplete picture because the, the, there's the entire other side of the planet that you can't see. And it doesn't matter where you go, if you're at the top or the bottom or where you are, 
in space looking at the planet, you're going to encounter this issue, which is that you cannot see the whole picture. It's literally impossible uh, to see the whole picture at the same time. That, I think, is starting to get closer to the deep lesson of this parable of the blind men. You cannot see the whole picture. It's impossible. Now, you complicate this a little bit more by thinking of, of time. So we know that in terms of space, wherever you are, uh, whatever you're looking at uh, when you're looking at the planet is an incomplete picture. We get that. Now, add time to it. Whatever you're looking at when you look at it now is different than what it was uh, before, right? Because the if you recall looking at a picture of, of the planet from space, you see earth or you see land, but you also see water. And then, of course, you see clouds, all of these incredible patterns of clouds. Well, those are changing from moment to moment. So what I was looking at 10 minutes ago, now I look at it and it's slightly different. The planet has rotated a little bit. Uh, the cloud the cloud shapes have all changed just a little bit. It may be uh, very subtle, but give it an hour, give it a day, give it three days. And what you were looking at three days ago is not what you're looking at now. And what you're looking at now is not what you'll be looking at three days from now. So in terms of space and time, uh, we cannot hold a picture in our head and say this is the accurate picture of the planet that is applicable throughout space and time. It's, it's impossible. Um, so in uh, the context of space and time, what we have is an ever-changing planet that we're looking at. And because of that, we are essentially like the blind men. What I'm looking at right now is all I can see. And it's going to be different uh, in the future. It's different from what it was in the past. And it's going to be different if I'm standing here or there. Um, that to me really resonates uh, or, or rings true to what I think the Buddha was trying to accomplish with uh, his explanation of this parable. Now, the thing is, space and time are not the only two variables that influence the perspective we have of the planet. Or I guess with the planet, yeah, space and time. But when we're looking at other things, we're looking at people, at ideas, at beliefs, um, our views are bound not just by space and time, um, but they're also influenced by our unique perspective. And our perspective is tied to our culture, our cultural backgrounds. You know, if you're raised in one part of the world versus another, that influences the way that you see things. Your memories, your upbringing, experiences that you've had, that will influence how you view things. Of course, inherited beliefs that you get from family or religions, um, that will also um, uh, affect the perspective that you have. So that's this third dimension. And uh, my friend and, and, and teacher, Koyo Kubose, would say, uh, person, place, and time, right? The, the view that you have is bound by person, who you are. In other words, your upbringing, your beliefs, your views, your opinions, and everything that makes you you, place, which is space, and time. Um, so with this understanding of reality, now let's consider this idea of the blind leading the blind, um, or the parable of the, of the blind man and the elephant. What this implies is that when it comes to views, when it comes to ideas and beliefs, we are essentially the blind leading the blind because we become so intertwined, um, 
with our views that we hold so deeply and we think this is it this is the absolute way that things are this is uh, the right belief or this is the right opinion or this is the right um, approach and the moment that we do that we fail to recognize uh, person place and time this is just how you see it and how you see it makes sense to you but it may not make sense to me it may benefit you but it certainly doesn't benefit me um, and things of that nature uh, so I want to touch on this just a little bit more with a an experience that my wife had uh, recently so uh, my wife is uh, not very <laughs> she's not a dog person um, and I know that for some people that's unfathomable because people who love dogs love dogs and they cannot understand how on earth somebody could not love a dog and it's not just dogs right it could be cats it could be whatever your thing is whatever your uh, the thing is that you love it's very difficult to understand how others wouldn't this is also common with kids right people who have young kids uh, like I do you love your kids and you love them climbing all around and saying funny things and doing and then you go like to a restaurant and you think everyone else loves them the way I do if you want to hear this funny joke or you know uh, we all know that situation of people who allow their kids to to run around or or to be jumping on things and they don't mind um, but the other person sitting there might mind um, well the same the same is true with dogs or cats or anything else so this experience was with dogs my wife is not very much of a, a dog person as I mentioned um, and she was out walking and somebody's dog wasn't on the leash and the dog came running over and my wife is kind of uncomfortable around dogs so this dog just starts like barking at her and jumping on her and she's um, you know she doesn't really know how to react are you supposed to you know I don't want to get in trouble for touching the dog and she's like that, that's what's going on in her mind right so she's very reluctant that this dog is like wanting to jump on her and like lick her and and be her best friend and she's just like leave me alone I don't want you to I don't want to be around you and she was really uncomfortable and the person came over and said oh don't worry it's a nice dog he won't do anything to you she's like uh, it doesn't matter I'm, I'm just uncomfortable around him she's like, oh don't worry he's fine he won't do anything to you and allowed the dog to continue bothering her so my wife made her way out of there uh, she she had been running I think and then was really upset the rest of the day um, telling me about this experience and why don't people you know leash their dogs and why don't people um, why do they let their dogs jump all over people and you know expressions of that nature um, and I had this thought <laughs> as I was listening to this and thinking about this thinking uh, it's interesting how often our own views are like our dogs it's like well this is my view and because I understand my view and I like my view uh, I allow my view to come over and affect you my view or, or my belief right or my opinion and it comes over and it's like the dog that's there and it's annoying you you may be uncomfortable with it but I cannot perceive that because I'm so comfortable with my view with my opinion with my belief um, with my idea that uh, it doesn't even enter my mind that you may be very uncomfortable with it so I had this thought that sometimes our our beliefs are like our dogs and um, I think it 
it, it sh there should be somewhat of a sense of, of personal responsibility for our own words and views and beliefs to not, uh, not allow those to come over and jump all over someone else. Now, um, I, I get that this can be a touchy subject because when we're talking about, um, again, like dogs, people who love dogs aren't um, are not going to be very happy with anyone dissing on a dog. Well, the same is true with beliefs. Somebody who, who holds uh, a deeply held belief is going to be very uncomfortable with com someone else coming along and saying, I don't agree with that belief or I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable with it. Um, get it away from me. So this is kind of where that uh, the scenario, another scenario that um, I want to link to all of this. Um, I was uh, a couple weeks ago at work, uh, one of my coworkers um, across the way was listening to music really loud and was just jamming. And it was like really loud rock or hard rock music, the kind that uh, you would associate with somebody's really angry. So that's the, you know, the style of music they're going to listen to. Well, it was that kind of music and it was pretty loud. And, and I had this thought, is it appropriate to, to say, Hey, your music, um, I'm not, I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. Can you turn it down? And, and I thought, I wonder what percentage of people would say, yeah, that's totally appropriate. And what other percentage of people would say, no, if you don't like it, put headphones on or something. Um, and again, I'm not, th this is not a debate about the music. This was to spark a, a, a more important question, which is, well, if that's the case with somebody's music, what about, what if you're walking through the park and there's a preacher standing on, on the bench and he's preaching out loud? You know, is it, is it the same thing? Or I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that message. You shouldn't be here saying it. Um, or is it appropriate to say, hey, that's that message that you have. We don't all want to hear it. You you keep that to yourself. Again, these are these are just scenarios I present. I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to assume that there is an answer that's the right answer. I think it's it's something that should be introspective that got me thinking. What are my dogs, my views that um, I'm comfortable with having them out there and jumping all over people? And it's maybe never occurred to me that that they shouldn't. Um, so again, it's an introspective practice, but I think, um, I think there's something, something fascinating in, in exploring this mentally. What are, what are the dogs? What are the beliefs? What are the views? Um, and where are those lines? I think about this often with, um, with swearing, you know, somebody might say a, a swear word and somebody who's uncomfortable would say, Hey, can you please not swear around me? Well, is that appropriate to control someone else's swearing? Or do you just say, well, if you don't like it, plug your ears and walk away? Um, you know, or <laughs> again, a whole range of thoughts uh, to experiment here in your mind, scenarios to play out in your mind and ask yourself. Um, again, this isn't to say, uh, oh, well, here's the right answer. Because if we go back to the analogy of the blind man and the elephant, well, how are you viewing reality? Your reality reality is skewed by uh, who you are and where you are in space and when you are in time. And so where you stand, this is this way. And where I stand, this is this other way. And you may be really uncomfortable with hearing this word. And I may be really uh, fine with, with hearing that. Or, you know, and, and it gets really touchy when we're talking about beliefs. You have 
Uh, in some views, uh, you cannot say certain words. It offends people. In some other ideologies, you cannot draw certain people. It offends them. Um, and, and, then, and a whole range of things. Um, it gets really muddied and really complex really fast because of the amount of views and beliefs that are out there. Um, so again, it's just something to keep in mind. And, and what I want to correlate all of this to specifically um, is back to a question that has been asked of me before. Uh, people have asked, um, you know, what is it like being in a mixed faith marriage, in a mixed faith uh, relationship? And it, I always pause and say, you know, I, I get why there's so much concern about that because the general thinking is it's really hard to make a, a mixed uh, faith marriage work. But a part of me wants to say, well, is it really that much harder than just being in a mixed belief relationship? Because everyone's in one of those. Everyone has mixed beliefs about things when it comes to your relationship with your parents or with your siblings or with your spouse or with your children. Um, you have mixed beliefs, whether you know it or not. Now, the only difference is how deeply held your those beliefs are, right? I've mentioned this before in the podcast. If I have, if I have a, a belief that eggs taste better with with hot sauce, and my spouse has the belief that eggs taste better with ketchup, which this is real, this is accurate. Um, it's not a big deal because it's not a deeply held belief. It is a belief. But it's not deeply held, and there's no sense of threat that uh, your belief somehow um, overrides my belief, right? Your belief of ketchup tasting better than than salt, uh, hot sauce. Um, but it does get more complex when you're talking about deeply held beliefs, and I suppose that's where this question originates from. Like, how do you make a mixed faith marriage work? Well, I'll tell you. For me, um, one thing that's been really helpful is to view all of my beliefs at the same scale as my hot sauce on the eggs. You know, it's like, it's not a big deal to me if I, that's just how I like my eggs. I But but it's not a big deal to acknowledge that there may be a better way. There may be, but I don't know, because I'm content with this one. Now with my bigger views, bigger beliefs, like, um, you know, when it comes to existential views, um, this will sound kind of weird, but to me, they're, they're no more important than my smaller view, smaller views on like what I put on my food. It's like here, I think that it might be like this. I think this other view may be very unlikely. I think this one is probably not possible. And I have all these views, but none of them really matter that much to me. I may be dead wrong on all of them. Um, so that sense of threat is gone on my end. And I think that with one person in the relationship being disarmed, well, how can there be conflict? How can there be a fight? It's, the fight arises and becomes problematic when you have um, two parties uh, wanting to feel a sense of certainty that their view is correct. So I want to share a couple of tips for anyone listening to this who's in a mixed belief relationship, which is all of you. Everyone is in one. I mentioned that before. Um, here are some tips. First, communicate. Uh, communicate is communication is the key, but communication has to happen on um, on equal grounds. Uh, when you communicate, you're trying to express what what makes sense to you, what's meaningful to you. 
Now, often what you'll get is the other party wants to um, wants to present their case in a their view in a way that supersedes yours. You know, it's like a debate, or here's this convincing argument of why my view is right. Um, well, what if it's not right or wrong? So this this leads to um, the next tip is change your mindset from right or wrong to skillful and unskillful. Because at that point, it becomes a lot more uh, manageable for you to deal in your communication with, well, what's what's skillful and what's not skillful. It's not about being right or wrong. I don't care if I'm right. I don't care if I'm wrong. Uh, in fact, I expect to be both of those things quite often. Um, but what is skillful and what is unskillful in my in my communication with my spouse? That to me is more effective. Now, for me, it, that it's going to be different for everyone. For me, um, you know, I I understand that that means how I communicate, when I communicate, what topics I communicate. There, there's, there's a whole scale um, of skillful and unskillful that is relevant to the formula of my relationship with my spouse. So. Um, it's not going to be the same for everyone. Uh, again, this becomes part of the introspective work that you do because you need to find what works for you. Now, this concept of, of switching from right or wrong to skillful and unskillful, um, this is for you, not for not for your um, whoever you're re- thinking about in your relationship, with a, whether that be spouse or parent or sibling. Like The point isn't to get them on board to think of it like you. No, it's not going to happen that way. Don't. This isn't about them. This is about you. How do you communicate? Um, so keep that in mind. Communication. Um, so th- the next thing I would recommend is to to try to express your intent. Uh, what I mean by that, what's been helpful for me in my relationship, is understanding we have different views, different beliefs. Um, but I I try to not focus on what the beliefs are because they're different Uh, you don't you won't go anywhere what what i focus on is what are our shared values Um, and values to me are much more important it's you'll find that for the most part we all have very similar shared values we we want to be happy we want others to um uh, to not experience suffering you know like those are shared values that are going to be relatively universal across uh, varying beliefs and uh, ideological systems. So when you highlight those with your, in my case, like with my spouse, uh, we highlight what our values are and we understand that we have shared values, then the belief cha- the be- belief becomes secondary. It's like, well, here's your belief, but I get that you believe that because ultimately this is the value you espouse. Well, from my perspective, this is the same value I espouse, but my approach to it and my understanding of it may be different because my belief is different. And this is how we arrive at conclusions like, um, like in our case, you know, where we sit and talk about, uh, um, I don't know, uh, drinking, you know, in, in, in Mormonism, uh, you don't drink. It's, it's, uh, you're not alcohol is the problem is drinking right (laughs) um and with from my perspective there's no problem with drinking well how do you reconcile that um well what is the shared value Uh, in my case um our our shared value is that well being intoxicated and and not being mindful 
that's the that's not skillful and we both agree with that um, so we arrive at the same shared value even though the belief may be different you know her belief may be that alcohol is bad and my belief is that alcohol is fine um, but both of us agree that um, you shouldn't drink when you're underage and that drinking and being intoxicated is not skillful um, and I believe that um, understanding why you drink is is very important because someone who drinks as a form of escapism that's a very unskillful practice so things like that so we we find our sense of um, common ground anchored in the values not in the beliefs okay um, the third tip here is seek to understand so the first one was communicate the second one is be willing to express the intent of what you're communicating and you do that by again going to the values not the beliefs this third one is seeking to understand not to change now in a in a relationship this is very important because I've mentioned this before it's like from an evolutionary standpoint we are all hardwired to detect um, threat to detect acceptance if we're accepted by our group we feel safe if we're not accepted or we're you know someone's trying to change us we we have very good systems in place that de that detect that so when you're communicating with a family member or a loved one with the intent to change that person whether they consciously know this or not all of their defenses are up to prevent that um, and we do the same you know if somebody's ever communicated with you and you know that there's another agenda they're trying to change you guess what you're you're not capable of being completely open and accepting with them because your defenses are up you're trying to prevent that change from happening so rather uh, or instead of trying to change each other what if we're just trying to understand each other now in my case that has been an, a very profound form uh, a profound change in our communication style um, so rather than listening to each other with the intent of okay all right let me I'm gonna rephrase this back to you so that I can change your mind it's not about changing each other it's just about understanding so it's okay we'll explain this more and she'll explain something okay I think I hear where that's coming from where's you know where does that come from why do you feel that's so important and so we're just continually trying to understand each other and that has been a very powerful shift and I think that's a big part of why the relationship works seek to understand not to change the fourth one is embracing discomfort and difficulty uh, none of this stuff is easy it, it's difficult when you're communicating with somebody who has a different view than you whether it be again deeply held views and beliefs or just different views like you know you're driving too fast and I'm like no I'm driving just th the right speed <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter what it is embrace the discomfort of having differences the difficulty of talking about those differences and saying well th that's your view here's my view and with time you'll find that you get better and better at articulating your view and why it's your view but never with the intent to convince them that yours is right or wrong because it's not about right or wrong it's just this is this is how I view it and maybe this is why I view it and because I was raised this way and when I grew up this this or that and then you know suddenly you understand yourself better and they understand you better so embrace that discomfort and, and difficulty and the uh, fifth tip I want to share is 
Uh, oh no, I already mentioned the changing your mindset from right and wrong to skillful and unskillful. Um, so those were all of the tips. I think those can be very helpful practices that help you to uh, communicate more effectively within your mixed belief relationship, which again is everyone and all of us recognize that we're all just the blind leading the blind. I'm blind and I'm doing the best that I can and my spouse is blind and she's doing the best that she can and so are our kids and so are my parents and so is everyone that I work with and communicate with because we're all somewhere in space looking at the planet thinking that thing that I see that is earth and and not even seeing the other half now earth in that case roughly half of it you can't see because it's the other side but when it comes to the everything else I think that that percentage or the proportion of what we know and what we don't know um, is exponentially bigger right there's this fraction of a sliver of reality that I understand the rest of it I do not know I cannot know I'm completely incapable of, of knowing it because of where I am in space and time so keep that in mind recognize we're all just the blind leading the blind we're all trying to do our best and trying to figure it out and the more we try to understand each other the better off this is all gonna go um, so that's uh, what I wanted to share with this concept of the, the blind leading the blind. Um, another reminder, if you want to learn more about Buddhism, you can check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners. Um, with concepts, teachings, and practices, you can learn more about the book just vi by visiting everydaybuddhism.com. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes. Um, you can always join the online community on Facebook, secularbuddhism.com forward slash community. And if you would like to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with the podcast, uh, you can visit secularbuddhism.com and click on the donate button. And that is all I have for now. But as always, I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Thank you for listening. Until next time.